0: All right. Let's uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you once again for the opportunity we have to come together to worship you, to, to study your word, to fellowship. Um, God, I just pray that you would be with us as we uh, conclude our study on the life of Jesus. Uh, God, just as we have uh, seen uh, your work in history uh, to redeem us, uh, and we've seen. Um, God in the flesh and his interactions with um, all sorts of people and God just um, I just pray that as we conclude this that we would um, just draw the the proper conclusions that we would um, these would be things that we would cherish up in our hearts and uh, truly God that uh, by your word you would sanctify us we pray in Christ's name, Amen Alright, so we've come to the end of our study of the uh, the life of Jesus. Um, so where we left off uh, last time, uh, we had just got to the point where Jesus had been uh, crucified and he had died. Um, so this morning, um, we're going to begin with um, what happened uh, shortly after that. Um, so in John chapter 19... We're going to begin in verse 31 there, uh, John chapter 19, beginning in verse 31. Uh, since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, uh, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the bodies, or sorry, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on him whom they have pierced. All right. So so here's what has happened um, later in in that day when Jesus was crucified. Um, Can anybody um, explain the actions of the soldiers? I mean, it's... You kind of have the information here in Scripture, but um, you might not necessarily be able to draw all of that out. So some of it takes a little, uh, a little extra knowledge. Uh, that would have been very common in the day when crucifixion happened all the time. Does anybody know what's what's going on?
1: So with the breaking of the legs, or okay, yeah. yeah. So the breaking of the legs was basically, although it was painful, they could still at some big cruiser, they could still push themselves up to breathe, mm-hmm. essentially, right. um, and the
0: breaking of the legs. Uh, essentially suffocated them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you you say you may not know this, you know, unless you've studied it, which obviously you have. That that if you're if you're being crucified, that it's it's very difficult to breathe, and you have to push yourself up with your legs in order to catch a breath. Um, and so, if you want somebody to die really quickly without just killing them, then you just break their legs, and then they can't push themselves up, and yeah, and then they're just gonna they're just gonna suffocate. Um so obviously they they see that Jesus is already dead, so it's like, well, we don't have to do that for him um so why did they uh why did they use a spear then? should be fairly obvious, but they just make sure he's dead just to make sure yeah yeah they they didn't want to they could've got in trouble if you know it's like, well, we're supposed to be executing this guy, and you know we took him down, and you know. He revived, Um, so they want to make sure he's dead. So uh, they go ahead and do the spear thrust just to just to make sure. Um, Now, what's the important uh, the importance of verse uh, 35, where John just kind of breaks off in his narrative and says, "He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth. That you also may believe." Why does he just kind of jump in here with that statement? It, isn't
1: this a reference to basically, I, the author, witnessed
0: this? I actually don't know the answer, whether it's John himself is the witness or whether he's referring to somebody else. Um, but he's certainly pointing to the idea of an eyewitness of this. Um, I mean, the idea is like, if, if there's any doubt, if anybody is... Saying, "Oh well, Jesus wasn't actually dead. He was just, you know, just really messed up from his time on the cross, and then they took him down, and then he he revived on his own." Um, basically, John is telling us there was an eyewitness there who saw this happen. He was absolutely, definitely dead. There's no question whatsoever. Kind of, kind of like. Uh, I don't know if anybody, any of you've ever read *A Christmas Carol*. Um, I know it's, you know, a million uh, movie adaptations have happened, but I always remember the first time that I read it, and they, you know, uh, Dickens makes a, a real point about saving that Jacob Marley is dead. You know that the whole story isn't going to make any any sense unless you're absolutely certain that Jacob Marley was dead. Um, and that's that's kind of the the picture here is like. The Jesus you know, walking around uh, three days later is no big deal unless he was absolutely, definitely dead. And so that's, uh, that's the point there is that John wants to make sure. It's like we have eyewitness testimony that he had actually uh, died and they had pierced him with a spear to make sure. We also see the fulfillment of uh, prophecy, don't we? Hmm. Yeah, John. Uh, John sees a couple of places there. Um, you know, not one of his bones will be broken. Does anybody remember the context of that? It's to do with the Passover. Well, they weren't to break the bones. And then also it says they will look on him whom they have pierced. And so, so John is seeing fulfillment of prophecy. Um, that might not have otherwise been the case because I'm sure that they didn't pierce uh, you know, nearly all the people that they crucified and probably a fair number of people that they crucified got their bones broken. I mean, it probably just depends on various circumstances. A lot of them, I'm sure, they just let die on their own. But especially in Israel, I'm sure that like it was a common thing. It's like, okay, yeah, it's getting close to the Sabbath. We better better break the legs so we don't upset the Jews by having somebody hanging on the cross on the Sabbath. So Jesus is definitely dead. Um, so now we move on to the burial. I'm going to flip over to Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 42. Mark 15:42. 42. Um, and when evening had come, since it was uh, the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him uh, whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph uh, bought a linen shroud and, taking him down, wrapped him in the uh, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb. Uh, that had been cut out of the rock, and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So there we see um, Joseph of Arimathea, um, one of the few people that were part of the religious leaders uh, who actually um, was uh, supportive of Jesus instead of you know, attempting to condemn him. Uh, we also learned from one of the other gospels that Nicodemus was involved in this as well. Um, so there were a couple of important people who um, made sure that jesus had a had a decent burial um, and the the tomb was right nearby, and they were kind of in a rush there. Um, why is it important uh, to mention that there was a stone rolled against the entrance? I say
1: that he didn't just, someone didn't come in and swap the body. Right. He didn't just,
0: mm-hmm. what did they me dead. Right, right. And walk out. Yeah, just guaranteed that, like, the body was there. Uh, nobody came and, and swiped it. Um, and why is it uh, important to mention uh, that the women saw where he was laid? So that there's no accusations of, well, you went to the wrong tomb. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, if you've ever studied this, you know, this is this is a, a, a common topic for Christians to, to read on, and it's it is a great topic to read on. Um, those are the types of things that will often pop up. It's like, oh, well, somebody stole the body, or the women just got the wrong tomb, and they just went to the wrong place and found an empty tomb. And it's like, oh, well, he must be r- risen from the dead. Um, but, uh, I mean, very clearly the, the testimony is that the women saw exactly where it was that he was laid. They knew where he was, where his uh, where his tomb was. Um, going over to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 27, uh, beginning in verse 62, Matthew 27 and 62. Uh, the next day, that is after the uh, day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. Uh, He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers? Go make it as secure as you can. Uh, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So, obviously, the you know the chief priests they've they've been you know dealing with uh, um, with uh, with Jesus and you know wanting to to quell his influence and they're concerned that like even even though they killed him that uh, there might still be something that uh, that uh, can cause them problems. So they want to just make sure that no rumors get started that the uh, that he rose from the dead. Now, did the did the actions of the chief priests and the Pharisees have the effect that they intended? I'm not sure what you mean. Okay. Well, what what they're intending is they want they're going to take steps. To reduce the risk that people believe that Jesus rose from the dead, did the steps they take help that or hurt that?
1: It, it, it did very much the opposite because it, it was
0: confirmation of uh-huh. you had a guard here, right? Yeah, they they actually like made it even more certain that nobody could come and seal the body. No. You know, no, no funny business could happen. They actually, I mean, in, in God's providence, just made it where there's even more evidence that what actually happened was Jesus rose from the dead. So pretty much the opposite of what they were, what they were intending to happen. So they, uh, they wanted to just make it worse. like, oh, we want we'll to make sure nobody can believe that that actually happened. But they just made it more certain then going back to the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 16, and look at the first three verses there. Mark 16, um, when the Sabbath was past, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome uh, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, uh, they went to the tomb, um, and they were saying to one another, "Who will ro- roll the stone away uh, for us from the entrance of the tomb?" So, um, so these women are going, and they're, you know, the, it was like, it was a really rushed job, right? When they when they put Jesus in the tomb um, on Friday, um, and of course they couldn't do anything on Saturday, that's the Sabbath. So it's Sunday morning they're going to go, and they're going to try to finish up his burial. Um, and of course, they're, they're thinking about the fact that it's like, okay, well, we know there's a stone over the, over the entranceway, so they're trying to figure out, it's like, like what, what are we going to do about that? Um, but, uh, but they don't actually have to worry about that because that's taken care of by another source. Uh, so hopping over to Matthew 28, uh, beginning in verse 2, Matthew 28, verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, Uh, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Uh, And uh, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And so there, God sends an angel who rolls away the stone. Now, I can't really imagine what it was like uh, for them. I mean, I... I'm sure this was pretty scary. You know, it's like this isn't some guy that's like, you know, walking around the corner, you know, up to them. He he comes descending from heaven, and there's this earthquake. You know, I almost imagine, you know, kind of like, you know, superhero movie style. You know, he comes shooting out of the out of the sky and lands on the ground, and there's a big earthquake. I mean, I don't know what it was like exactly, but it was it was obviously very terrifying for these people. Um, I mean, these were. I, there's, there's some debate about whether these were Roman soldiers or whether they were soldiers provided by the, by the, uh, by the Jewish leaders. Uh, but in, in any case, there are people who would probably be familiar with warfare and are not just easily frightened by any little thing. Um, but, of course, the, uh, the angel is a bit more than what they're accustomed to. Um, what the other thing? too, Chris, is that when they said, you know, post a guard, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't just one guard Mm -hmm. here. You see that there were multiple guards, at least two. So it's not like one lone soldier out there by himself getting easily frightened. Right. There were others. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's guard as a collective plural. So Yeah. yeah, it's, there's a whole group of men out there, um, presumably, you know, armed and armored, um, ready for, you know, ready for anything, uh, funny that happens, and uh, but yeah, they are uh, they they tremble and become like dead men. I'm not sure exactly what that means that they become like dead men, but um, they were they were apparently pretty um, shaken up. And then of course um, the women arrive at the tomb. Um, I'm going to look at Luke's account of that, Luke chapter 22. Uh, beginning in verse 2, it says, And they, that's the women, uh, found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they uh, went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Uh, and as they were uh, frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he, but has risen Uh, but these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. So you have, you know, apparently a, a fairly large group of women that have gone to, to take care of this. Um, were they at all expecting Jesus to rise from the dead? No. I mean, this is, they, they just didn't know, you know, the, this was this was completely outside of what they expected. Um and then of course they, you know, they get this message from these angels, and they go running back and they tell the disciples. Uh, why do you think that the 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 apostles reacted the way that they did to the story of the women? I mean, did they believe them?
1: No. I mean, according to their human understanding and not taking into account like all the miracles he had seen, no.
0: Jesus is dead. It's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They. They really just, like, don't have any notion that this... I mean, it's kind of odd when you... You know, we've seen it over and over again that Jesus told them that this was going to happen. Um, but, they, you know, they they always just didn't get what was going on. And even at this point, they're still just like... Ah. They, they're just... They think Jesus is dead and that all of this is over. Um, and so... You know, they just, they just didn't believe the women. Um, now, while they're gone, um, the soldiers, they've got something to deal with now because they've, you know, they've got a, a, an open, empty tomb now. Um, and so they know that they're going to get in trouble. So uh, Matthew 28 again, uh, beginning in verse 11, uh, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city Uh, and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Uh, And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Uh, And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. And it's unclear whether the, the chief priests believed the guards or not. Um, I mean, from the chief priests' perspective, you know, they're they're sitting there, and the guards show up, and they're like, "Hey, this, you know, this guy came out of heaven, and you know, shook the earth, and um, you know, opened up the tomb, and it, it was empty." Um, I mean, you might be tempted if you were one you know, of the chief priests to look at that and say, okay, these guys fell asleep and now they're making up this big story to you know, to cover for themselves. Or, you know, they might believe it. I mean, they'd seen Jesus do all sorts of things during his ministry and still just, you know, flatly refuse to believe uh, that he was who he claimed to be. Um, but um, either way... They knew that this count, this account, would lend credibility to the claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. You know, if they, these soldiers, go around telling people, "Yeah, this angel came from heaven and scared us and opened up the tomb and it was empty," it's like, well, that's that's just going to confirm the story, right? If people go around saying Jesus rose from the dead and these guys are telling this story, it's just like, well, that's just confirmation. Um, so what did the chief priest want to do about that? I mean, and they have to have like an alternative story out there. They've got to, have got to have some, some other story to try to discredit any story that Jesus rose from the dead. And so they're willing to shell out money for the for the guards. Uh, they're willing to use their political influence to try to keep the guards out of trouble. Um, because for them, it's like that's the most important thing, is that they keep the story uh, under wraps, keep it from uh, being something that people are likely to believe. Now, the disciples, um, they, they didn't really believe the, the women's story, but they still wanted to go check it out. Um, so when we look over at the Gospel of John, chapter 20, John chapter 20, um, beginning in verse 3. Uh, says, so Peter uh, went out uh, with the other disciple, and that's identified as John if you look back just a little ways, um, and they were going toward the tomb. Uh, both of them were running together, uh, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Uh, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, uh, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, uh, following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there uh, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then, the, then the disciples went back to their homes. So just as we... Um, consider this and consider different I mean obviously, like we know the whole story, we know what actually happened here, um, and the angels have been very clear about what's going on um, but people are still trying to piece this together um, i is there is there any notion that that Peter or John were were getting there expecting to find that Jesus had risen from the dead I mean them rushing to the tomb
1: Mm -hmm. implied, it implies a hope. I mean, there's something in this story that Mm -hmm. they have to hurry up and go see, Mm -hmm. Um,
0: whether or not they believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that. Clearly, they, they it says that they didn't under, they did not understand the scriptures that he must uh, rise from the dead. So it's like they're still not really getting it, but they know something's going on. Um, now, they may just think, well, maybe somebody moved the body. Um, but they get there and they see some evidence inside the tomb. Is this evidence consistent with somebody coming and moving the body? Why would you unwrap the body? Yeah, exactly. If you're going to steal the body out of the tomb, why would you unwrap it first and then take it out? Um, so it really doesn't look like somebody came and stole the body, but yet the tomb's empty. He's not there anymore. So why Why is why is his body gone but the wrappings are still there? Um, it's uh, I, I'm not sure exactly... Um, I mean, I guess I just ask the question. Um, it says that uh, you know the John uh, he reached the, the he he had reached the tomb first. He went in and he saw and believed. What, what any idea what it was that he believed? I mean, John's not abs- absolutely clear what what he means when he says that. To me, and again, but it implies he believes the story to the women told. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, I, I know. I've I've read some um, interpretations that are more along the lines of they had not previously believed the, uh, or they had not previously understood the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. But at that point they believed. But it could also be simply just that. Okay. They believed his body's gone. So I don't I don't know that there's a definitive answer to that. But they're they're certainly coming to a deeper understanding at this point. They're they're seeing that something's going on. Um, now, again, in this whole discussion about whether Jesus actually rose from the dead from a historical perspective, um, it's been suggested by some that uh, the belief in the resurrection was uh, just an inference from the empty tomb. Um, is that is that plausible that like the whole Christian notion of the of the resurrection of Jesus is just based on the fact that they found the the tomb empty?
1: Okay, no, I- there's not enough evidence just from an empty tomb. It's the fact that Jesus later came and presented himself and showed himself. And I think I don't remember at the, at the end of one of the four apostles, or yeah, uh, the end of one of the first four books of the New Testament. Uh-huh. It gives an actual number of how many people saw him, uh-huh. and I, I don't remember what that was. But yeah, it's they, actually
0: like First Corinthians 15 has the. The, the the statement that like, he was seen by over 500 people at one time. So. Yeah, and so
1: it's one of the, it's it's proof of it's mm-hmm. not this isn't from one person. This is from
0: uh, so many people witnessed this. Mm-hmm, right. So yeah, so uh, many people saw Jesus alive. That's really what the claim is based on. But the empty tomb is an important aspect of this because if the tomb wasn't empty, well then like people would say oh we saw Jesus raised from the dead and then you go and it's like well his body's here at the tomb that's going to kind of yeah. mess up the story so the empty tomb is definitely an, uh, an integral part of the argument um, but it would be completely an error to, to say that well they just found an empty tomb and just made the inference well he must have been raised from the dead and the whole you know Christian religion is based on just that that one inference it's not the case um, and we'll see that just immediately here as we go on, um, just continuing in in John with uh, verse 11. Uh, But Mary, uh, she'd apparently followed them. Mary stood out uh, weeping outside the tomb. um, And as she wept, uh, she stooped uh, to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white uh, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, uh, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene uh, went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, uh, and that he had said these things to her. So here we have um, Jesus uh, appearing uh to Mary. Uh, uh, you also have uh, an account of Jesus appearing to a group of women um, in the Gospels, and I don't know if that's the same account. I mean, it's like it's, it's sometimes it's really difficult to like piece together the different accounts in the Gospel, and it's like when, when are they talking about the same thing and when are they talking about a different thing? So um, he did appear to a group of women. Maybe it was with Mary, and maybe it was at a different point, but. Um, he, he certainly appeared to a group of women. Um, but here in this account with, um, with Mary, um, the, the angels and Jesus both asked Mary uh, why she is weeping. Um, now, how did, how did her understanding of this question differ from the intent of those who asked it? Or I guess even the question is, did, did, was there a difference? Did she understand why they were asking that?
1: No. No. She just saw the body of her Lord had disappeared and mm-hmm. was gone, mm-hmm. and then, according to the text, assumed that the gardener or someone had taken him away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the question of why are you weeping um, and through the conversations and passages here is, why are you weeping?
0: Christ is not dead, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the intention of the angels and of Jesus Himself. It's kind of like, look, what's just happened. Why are you weeping? You know. Um, but from her perspective, it's more of like, okay, I'm just bumping into these strangers and I'm crying, so they're like, hey, why are you why are you weeping? What's what's going on? Um, but but yeah, I mean, from their perspective, it's like, Christ is raised from the dead. Why are you, why are you weeping? Um, you know. And Jesus is like. Who are, who are you seeking and it's kind of like what the angels had said you know why are you seeking for the living among the dead like this, this isn't really where you should be this is this is where dead people are um, but you're the person you're seeking is somebody who's alive um, so again it's um, it's a it's something that they just didn't expect I mean Mary did not expect to see Jesus alive uh, they even with with all of the statements and the statements of the even the statements of the angels, they still are just really struggling to get this. And um, you know, and we can look back at that like from our perspective and say, "Wow, this you know they really should have got it." But um, I imagine like if you were in the situation, it would just you know it's just so it was so devastating that Jesus had been crucified that any thought of um, well, this is actually a good thing. This is this was accomplishing the plan of God. Just, I think would have been uh, very far from their thoughts for the most part. Uh, and so it was. It really took a lot of a lot of confronting them with like, "Hey, look, this is this is what was this is what Jesus said." Um, before they really got it. But of course, when Jesus spoke Mary's name, then she got it. She realized, "Well, this is Jesus." Um, and of course she grabbed hold of him she didn't want to let go um, but obviously uh, the time for being with Jesus and not being separated from him had not yet come so uh, Mary had to go back and tell the others another event that happened this is a, a well known event for for good reason it's just a wonderful story uh, it's the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 22 And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all of the prophets have spoken. And he said, that, uh, But was it not necessary uh, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Um, he acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went, to, so he went in to stay with them. Uh, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened, uh, opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, "The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon." Uh, then they told what had happened uh, on the road and how he was known to them at the breaking of the bread so why did uh, why did Jesus call these disciples foolish?
1: They're acting puzzled about something that he's explained to them how many times, quite plainly. And uh-huh. like, he didn't even hide it in riddles at the end. He just mm-hmm. kind of
0: told them, "This is how it's going to be." Right. And so far, everything that he said is going to happen has happened. Yeah. And they're still like, "I just don't understand mm-hmm. why." Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the people, the the disciples, still have just been so set in their expectations of what the Messiah must be and must do. Um, and even though Jesus has explained it to them, even though it's in the scriptures, um, they still, um, you know, they just don't get it. Um, and, you know, they've you know, they've heard the story already that the women had been to, the, to the, the tomb and the angels had told them that Jesus rose from the dead. Peter and John had gone and checked it out, that he was definitely not there. And they, they still just like, it's like, yeah, we, we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. Uh, but he's you know they're still just not getting it that yeah, he actually did rise from the dead. Um, now, uh, to get back again to the to the question of you know people challenging whether the resurrection actually happened, um, one of the things that that I've heard at points was that um, that the the disciples genuinely believed that Jesus rose from the dead but that it was basically just something that like they were in such expectation of happening they were so set that jesus was going to raise from the dead that they basically persuaded themselves that they had seen a vision of jesus raised from the dead and therefore they you know they propagated this whole christian religion based on that um how does that stack up to the evidence we've been seeing here Were they in great expectation that Jesus was going to rise from the dead? No, they, they very much believed that he was dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, Jesus and the angels basically just have to come and start hitting them over the head with boards, basically, to get them to realize, no, he's he's raised from the dead. Uh, they they're so they're so convinced that it's like this is this is over. Um, so it is somewhat amusing when you when you hear people challenging the the historicity of the resurrection on the basis of like oh well they were just expecting Jesus to raise from the dead and so they persuaded themselves that it that it happened um, what happened to the disciples um, as Jesus taught them as he's going along the road with them their hearts burned within them uh-huh. imagine that just dry theological lesson uh, just a bunch of <laughs> doctrines and scripture and their hearts burn within them so um, yeah that's um and I, I mean i think i think you know we've had that experience as well right it's like when when we really see what's going on in scripture when we see the plan of god i mean it's like I mean, there's so many things in Scripture to do that, but I know, like, this particular thing really has a tendency to do it when you, when you dig into the Old Testament Scriptures. And, you know, through some preacher or whatever, you really get to start seeing how these, these things in the Old Testament... Are talking about Jesus, you know. You you study the, the the Day of Atonement and the symbolism that you have there, and you know just the various things in the Old Testament that really um, show forth what will happen to Christ at a later point in history. It just it just really um, for the Christian, it really stirs up our hearts. Um, and so that was the experience that the uh, that these disciples had here. Um, and when they um, when they return, um, they find that Jesus has already appeared to to, uh, to Simon. At this point, uh, we don't have a, an actual account of of that encounter in any of the gospels, but um, he had a, a personal encounter there with with Simon. Um, but then i uh, just continuing there in verse 36. And while they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, uh, Peace to you. Uh, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Uh, And when he had said this, uh, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Uh, They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before him before them. So here Jesus, for the first time, reveals himself to the group of of the disciples. Uh, Why was it important that he showed them his wounds? it was proving that it was him Mm -hmm. yeah Um, I mean one thing we'll see is that that Jesus is establishing witnesses because this this is the proclamation of the church right the resurrection of Jesus and he's establishing witnesses who are eyewitnesses and see it and not just like get a glance um, but get an opportunity to really see this is actually Jesus this is the same guy that was crucified um, not, you know, not somebody with, you know, with unmarred hands or anything like that, but somebody who was crucified, the person that they know, was actually physically there, raised from the dead. What about the fish? Was it just that it's like, hey, I've been in the tomb for three days, I'm hungry? Is there any, I mean... Well That is not it. Ghost, you know, right. He's a real yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's really demonstrating that he's like physically there. They're not just seeing a vision. Um, he's actually eating food in their presence, um, and I mean, I, I think that the reason that that Luke wants, you know, Luke includes this in here, is just it's evidence. It's evidence that Jesus actually physically rose from the dead. Now, not all of the disciples were actually here at this point. Um, We flip over to John chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 24. Uh, It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and uh, and the marks, And the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Uh, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Uh, Put your hand in the place, uh, sorry, and put out your hand and place it in my side. And uh, Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now, is Thomas's doubt reasonable or unreasonable? Again,
1: from a human perspective, it would be very reasonable. People don't just rise from the Right. Given the signs and miracles Jesus showed him along mm-hmm. the promises mm-hmm.
0: not quite so much so. Yeah. Yeah that's that's exactly the answer I wanted was, you know, both yes and no. Um, is that that it was from one perspective it was very reasonable. Um, and I mean that's that's kind of in a sense it's a it's a It's just another opportunity to really demonstrate the truthfulness that he was actually raised from the dead because you've got this person who's doubting and he's given evidence. Um, But in another sense, it's like he really ought to have believed uh, because it was promised. I mean, they all should have believed before they saw Jesus. Um, But uh, so, and you know, and Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe because we have enough information uh, to believe the, the truthfulness of the resurrection um, but uh, so in that sense it was it was not um, exactly what he should have done but so how did how did uh, Thomas respond to the evidence his response was well I need to see it I mean I need, I, need, I need to be able to touch him I need proof Okay, that was his response to hearing oh. that that uh, that Jesus had appeared um, before he actually did appear. Tim, his response to actually seeing Jesus and seeing the rooms was proclaiming that he is the Word of God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Once once he saw it and was fully persuaded, then he proclaimed, "Yeah, he is my Lord and my God," um, and showing a great deal of understanding there that he's you know he's not just my Lord, but He's my God. This is, this, is a, um, this is not just a great prophet that God has raised up, but this is God himself in the flesh. Um, John 21, um, beginning in verse 1. Um, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And that's, that's the Sea of Galilee, just a different name for it. Uh, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. Uh, but that night they caught nothing. Uh, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Um, uh, Jesus said to them, uh, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. He said to them cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they cast it uh, and now they were uh, now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish uh, that disciple whom jesus loved therefore said to peter it is the lord when simon peter heard that it was the lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea and the other disciples came in the boat uh, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, uh, but about 100 yards off. Uh, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire uh, in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter uh, went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large, fish, uh, of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, The net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here... Again, we have another instance of Jesus appearing to the disciples. Uh, what what type of things characterize this incident? And there's a miracle. Uh-huh. There's a miracle. Why do you think Why do you think Jesus came and performed a miracle?
1: It's just another proof
0: of mm-hmm. it was him. Yeah. It was another sign that it was him. Yeah. Once again, just proving this. Like this is me. I'm Jesus. This is the same Jesus you've known that you've walked with, that you've seen perform miracles. Um, They're also having a meal, right? Once again, we're having um, people, uh, or we're having Jesus eating food in the presence of people, just making it very clear to them um, that he's really there. Um, that he's really physically raised from the dead Um, and then after this Jesus has a a conversation with Peter uh, and we're not going to take time to read it we're almost out of time here but in that conversation it's clear that um, he's forgiven for denying Christ um, and is charged uh, to be uh, a shepherd to those who follow Christ Um, flipping over to the gospel of Matthew Matthew 28 beginning in verse 16 this is very famous passage Uh, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee and so they're not sure exactly how this fits in with John's account because that's in Galilee as well so at some point they've gone from Jerusalem to Galilee um, to the mountain which uh, Jesus had directed them Uh, when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Now, I'm, I'm sure you got, you've all heard tons of teaching on this, so we're not going to, you know, spend a whole lot of time on this. But just a couple things: um, on what basis are his followers to make disciples? On the basis that all authority has been given to Jesus mm-hmm. in heaven and on earth. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus has all authority, and that's the basis upon which they are to go and to make disciples. And He is with them always. Yeah, yeah. that was my second question. Because oh, like, what, what is Jesus's promise? He He is with them always. So uh, they're not doing that alone, but they're doing it uh, with Jesus being with them as they go about that. That mission, and then finally, um, going to actually leave the Gospels and jump over to the Gospel, or to sorry, to the Book of Acts, uh, because that is the the fuller account of Jesus' ascension. Uh, Acts chapter one, beginning in verse three, uh, he presented himself. And in in, in here, like Luke is kind of summing up a lot of what we've just seen in these passages. Uh, as he went behold two men stood by them in white robes and said men of galilee why do you stand looking into heaven this jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven so what was the what was the purpose of these 40 days establish his resurrection and mm-hmm. um, also the commission to the disciples because they had sort of gone back to fishing, mm-hmm. you know, even though he had risen, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they didn't know what to do right. after that. So there's, right. there was that part right. of it as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So he's establishing, um, uh, you know, just a solid proof of his resurrection and giving them the commission. Um and teaching them about the kingdom, right? Did the disciples understand the kingdom at this point? Better. What's that? They understood it better. They understood it better. Yes, they understood it better. But you can see they're still they're still just not really sure what's going on. They're like, are you restoring the kingdom now? Um, so they're still not um, not fully understanding, but they're understanding better. Um, and they have they have a mission and then what is the promise that's given by the angels he'll be back he'll be back right yeah and that kind of is the the final point to look at for us I mean it's like we see the life of Jesus and just all the great things he accomplished uh, ultimately accomplishing our redemption um and has given us things to do while he's gone. But um, there's also the promise that he will come back, um, that the kingdom will be established in all its fullness um, as we enter the eternal state when um, all of this will be, all of creation will be subject to God. Um, There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. Um, and so that's that's what we look forward to. And we have plenty to do um, between his ascension and when he returns. Any any final thoughts or questions about anything we've talked about? Or comments or? I was just going to say, I really appreciate how you brought everything together between all the different gospel accounts and, all, and also some historical yeah. sources. Praise the Lord, yeah. But I, I I really love, as I'm sure other people do too, the end of John's account where he says, you know, there's all these things that were written down. Mm-hmm. But if for Jesus' life just here on earth, uh-huh. if everything were to be written, now uh, were every one of them to be written, I suppose <laughs> that the world itself could not contain the books that will yeah. be written. Just, yeah. Jesus really had an amazing life here on earth, yeah, serving us, glorifying his Father. Uh, all, all he came and lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, raised 40 days. And it's just amazing what he did. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Anything else? All right. Well, let's close the prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we, we do thank you um, for, God, we thank you for coming to earth in the person of the Son living the life that we could not for purchasing our redemption and God, we, uh, we pray, uh, that you would enable us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have called us that we would be about the business that you have set for us. And Lord, that we would, uh, eagerly long for the day that, uh, that you return, um, that you set all things right. And, um, God, we just pray that you would continue to glorify your church. In Christ's name.